Right. Hello, everybody. I'm here today with Haida, uh, who has recently moved to Mexico, correct? Yes. From yeah. the channel Safety and Ism, I just uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, plug that. your channel. <laughs> plug your channel for sure. Yeah. Sapienism yeah. is this channel. Um and and yeah, I was I I discovered you because you posted under something that Oracle Films posted. Um and I looked up your channel and yeah, and then got in touch with you. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of wanted to, you know, it was uh, quite a tricky decision for me to choose to make a video about my vaccine injury, but um, I decided that like I had to because I was taking such a long time to like between my uploads, and that was just because of like my fatigue and my brain fog. Um, yeah, it was really quite hard to you know to do anything really. So yeah, yeah, no, it's immensely brave what you've what you've done, and I'm devoting this whole month to COVID vaccine victim awareness. Um, so I, th I think it's best that we start with the story of like what's happened to you. Was it the first or the second dose and and all the rest of it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I got the first dose in like July, like last, no, not last year, the year before now, 2021. And um yeah, I was obviously like hesitant to get the vaccines because just from a health perspective, I didn't think there was enough research. And yeah, but the thing is there were like, there was peer pressure, like particularly from my family. And so I ended up, you know, getting it because the evidence that was available, obviously I didn't think that was sufficient, but the evidence that was available indicated at the time that it's like safe, right? But obviously in my mind, you can't know if a new medicine is safe in terms of its long-term effects if you don't give it the time to have that kind of research, right? Which it, it hasn't had. Um, and now more and more things are coming up. So I got the second dose in, um, the second Pfizer dose, right? In um, December, 21st of December, so right before Christmas. And basically my pericarditis symptoms started immediately so like two hours later I started getting a bit of chest pain and then over the next one or two weeks it gradually got worse and worse and I just started to feel really fatigued and like I couldn't breathe and um, I just really you know increasingly tired like I couldn't sleep and um, yeah so yeah so, so have you got a diagnosis or have you self-diagnosed this or what's the story there? So that is, uh, yeah, not a great story. So it took me about three months to get diagnosed with pericarditis and uh, I had to go to A&E about seven times because they just dismissed it as stress or anxiety. Um, yeah, basically that's, I went to several different A&Es and they all, they all kept up the same rhetoric, you know. Uh, refusing to believe what happened to me basically um and even the doctor who the the way i got diagnosed was through an echocardiogram it showed pericardial effusion um which is not even necessary in pericarditis but the thing is it's just these things are hard to diagnose and given like the denial about the covid vaccine like oh it's safe blah blah, blah they don't want to actually find out for you anyway they, they just assume you're like you know 
like one doctor kept saying oh I think it's you're just worried about the vaccine because you researched about it beforehand and like that's just stupid isn't it so it's a lot of like um you know manipulation that the doctors use which is like oh it's a mental health type issue you know it's it's not really okay I think no it's not and it's an unbelievable pattern that I'm seeing um I don't you've seen have you seen safe and effective the second opinion the oracle film yeah yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I speak to uh, John Watt a fair bit, and he's had you know he's got incredibly severe symptoms, and he was told it was psychosomatic until yeah, it's finally found a doctor. So, I mean, is it looking to you like they've been told to say this to pretty much everyone? I don't know if they would have done this a few years ago. I don't know if they would have been sending people away in droves saying it's in your head. Um, I mean, whether they've been told it like directly or not, I, I'm not sure, like possibly, but uh, I would definitely say they have been like, you know, encouraged to take this kind of stance because, you know, because because uh, there's been like a lot of pressure, you know, there's been like, um, I mean, that like, I don't know, it just, it seems like there, there's like a pre-existing type of anti-vax movement, right, which maybe goes to varying levels of extremity and uh i'm not here to debate that but um they they just kind of assume it's like a one or zero like you're anti-vax or you're not that's what seems to be what's going on what was going on in society and so uh doctors and everyone else seem to think they have to be polarizing in order to get as many people to get vaccinated as possible without considering long-term risks which is obviously like if you're a doctor, if you're a member of society, it can be forgiven because you're just a normal person. You don't know much about medicine. But if you're a doctor, I don't think that could be forgiven, really. No, I, I'm I'm completely with you. The um the public were left to do their own research and rely on their own intuition or reach their own conclusions however they could. But it's not supposed yeah. to be our responsibility. It's supposed to be their responsibility and the MPs very indeed yeah 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 and given the amount of um i didn't really realize that there was like a lot of pharmaceutical corruption going on until i got the vaccine because my research beforehand was mainly to do with like health right so i i researched about functional medicine just like in my own time and uh so yeah my perspective was pretty much purely a functional health perspective it had no involvement of politics uh and I didn't realize there was such a such a merging of the two. Um, but when you look at funding from even like all the top UK universities, like Oxford University, for example, you can see that all of their research is pretty much funded. I, th I think it's like it's it's I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere above ninety percent that they're just funded by um, by big pharma. You know, so. There's not really, and that's been increasing over each decade, like very significantly, um, particularly over the past two decades. So, yeah, there's not really much, uh, you know, there's not much fair science going on anymore. And so when when I would look at scientific studies, I, I now know that that is not the whole picture anymore, and it may be misleading. So, Sorry, what did you mean by functional medicine? Um, it's just a broad term for like um, 
preventative medicine and from my perspective it, it relates a lot to anthropology so how humans used to live in the past um you know without relying on external medicine um because modern medicine these days is mainly to uh treat the symptoms rather than uh the cause or prevent the cause so if the cause has already happened you want to treat the cause and stop the cycle um if it's if it's not happened yet then you want to prevent it so that's just a generic term really yeah yeah cool no it makes it makes perfect sense and um you know barely anyone that i've spoken to so i'm effectively having these kind of conversations full time it's basically all i do now um and pretty much nobody that i talked to was an anti-vaxxer prior to 2020 nobody was thinking yeah kind of stuff so so it is it is completely crazy that people that are in a position of authority in the medical establishment would be taking this line of going ah right i guess you must have been one of these wackadoodle people for what 10 years or so and it's like, no no this is a very new thing this is the first yeah questioned yeah it does sort of seem like um the worst case scenario is turning out to be true, which is pretty sad. You know, it's, it's quite sad that that's the world we live in. But, you know, the more people can come to accept that and then start to become more self-reliant, I think the better. Yeah. So can you can you talk about your symptoms and, um, and the benefits of being where you are right now? Because I think that's really interesting. That's not something I've heard before. Sure. So... Um, so I obviously got the pericarditis symptoms starting and, you know, it was all of like, if you look up pericarditis, it's just all the classic symptoms, you know, and um, I would say, I'd go to them, I'd say, I think I have pericarditis. And they were just like, oh, you've already got this thing in your mind, you know, that you're assuming you've got blah, blah, blah. Um, but anyway, the, the symptoms just gradually got worse and worse. And one of the things you don't want to do if you have pericarditis is to continue exercising. And I used to exercise every day. So I do calisthenics on one day and then I'd alternate between calisthenics and then barefoot running the next day. And I do barefoot running as like hit interval type things, you know, like sprint intervals. Um, yeah, so I do bodyweight training and then barefoot running. Uh, and I continued to try to do that, but well, it was sort of like the first couple of weeks I couldn't. I couldn't do anything. Um, I would sort of try and go for a walk outside and I'd feel really dizzy. Uh, if I'd go upstairs, I'd also feel really dizzy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was not great. But then at some point, a few weeks later, I, I would go to like clubs because I go to university. I would go back to clubs like uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I would try calisthenics like once every week or so. I'd try a run. And these things would just seem to make my whole condition worse again. Like every time I would do it, it would just, I think it was just increasing the inflammation. Um, and so then like we get to three months later, then they diagnose me, then I completely stop exercising. And sort of the whole, I'd say the first like five months or so. So like up until May, um, I basically felt like very, disabled um not just physically but but mentally especially so 
I would get like so much brain fog and so much fatigue that um, I don't even have that much memory of the period. So yeah, I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD like not that long ago, but so maybe maybe I'm more susceptible to like the, the more extreme mental effects. But yeah, I think my heart was just so bad that uh, that's what was happening basically. And then I noticed from early on, I suspected that there may be an autoimmune element um, because I started to get like allergic symptoms. So I'll tell you the list of the things which compromised this for me personally. So the allergy symptoms, like my eyes just watering just from being outside, um, swollen like lymph nodes and a swollen throat. Um, uh, tinnitus. I never had that before. I don't go to like crazy raves. You know, I did party a lot, but like it wasn't <laughs> anything crazy. Um, yeah, sore throat, uh, a lot of chronic fatigue, like insane amount. Um, like a lot of brain fog just made me pretty much stupid this whole time. Um, and, you know, weird like nerve pains, uh, numbness, like of my limbs, just getting increasingly numb and like occasionally like I can't use them, like they don't, they won't move like my legs. Um, joint pain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I've got a list somewhere, but oh yeah, rashes. Um, I've still got a rash here, actually. It's like a, a butterfly rash, they call it. And that's a, a classic signal of lupus um yeah so i think this is maybe a kind of new autoimmune disease that has been created by by the vaccine basically um and it, it seems to be similar to long covid it might be the same pathology um but the two things that i've found that i've read about are autoantibodies and microclots so um yeah and basically what was happening was the pericarditis was starting to get better every month. And then it kind of just plateaued from like the middle of, of this year, of last year, sorry. Um, and at the same time, the autoimmune symptoms were just increasing every month. So then we would get to November, December, uh, just like last month. And the fatigue was really wearing down on me and the cold weather was actually making it worse, which I suspected would happen. Um, and the reason I suspected that was prime, obviously autoimmunity gets worse in the cold usually, uh, and may get better in hot weather. But the main reason for me is that, uh, I just went on like a holiday to Barcelona in the middle of last year, like late July. And that basically improved my symptoms drastically. You know, I felt in fact, even like my ability to like climb stairs, for example, I climbed a lot of stairs. You know, I went for like a bit of hiking, which was like up hills. Uh, and it was it was difficult, but I could do it, you know. Um, and I wasn't like dying from it. So uh, and I could actually socialize with people because my brain was functioning, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's why I decided to come here. I just arrived uh, about a week ago, um, like Christmas. Christmas Day, I basically arrived because I kind of booked the flight last minute because I was still trying to sort some stuff out. Um, 
And yeah, now that I'm here, it took about a week, but I feel a lot better already. Uh, not all the symptoms have, have you know, improved. So like my throat is still very sore, but, and the tinnitus and, you know, plenty of other things, but the main things like the fatigue and the brain fog have improved a lot from being in the hot weather. So yeah, I chose the weather very carefully um, based on what I experienced in, in Barcelona. So that's basically where I'm at. Yeah. Well, that's a, a really interesting development and an interesting sort of solution. Not not that it's cured everything, but I don't know. It's just something yeah. that I haven't come across. So so it's a very very interesting angle on it. Do you have you got in contact with other people that are in a similar situation to yourself? Um, not really. Um, no, not really. <laughs> no, not really to be honest. But um. I have met people who have told me like, oh, my my mother or my daughter or my friend, you know, has experienced like heart problems and things. Um, so, yeah, but I haven't directly spoken to anyone else about it. Okay. Know? Well, there is a good network of them forming. Um, so I can assure you of that. If yeah. You, if you want me to put you in touch at any point. Um, but had you tried other things before as well? And and you have you you did get this confirmed by the hospital and by A and E, but they didn't look any further into it. Didn't did they suggest anything? Uh, well, for the pericarditis, they prescribed me um, like in March when it was diagnosed. They prescribed me colchicine, um, which is like an anti-inflammatory um and it's in, it's not a quick anti-inflammatory it's instead of like something like steroids but it has like a low risk of recurrence uh but obviously i've still got the pericarditis so it's uh it's it's not working but if i stop taking the cold scene now my symptoms get worse like my heart gets even worse so um i'm kind of like stuck in terms of that but but yeah, the, the only thing like saving me is the fact I'm here now and I'm just like temporarily better, you know, um, yeah. to an extent. So I still can't exercise, but, but yeah. Sorry, um, how, how bad was it at the sort of the peak of the cold in the UK? Um, well, obviously the main thing there was like the, the fatigue. So I guess... You know, my heart had obviously, it wasn't anything like it was earlier this year. Earlier this year, it was like, or last year, sorry, it was, it was a lot worse. Um, but the fatigue and everything, obviously, as I told you, it's been getting worse. Uh, and so the cold made it really quite bad. I, I basically, it took me back to what I was doing around the, the start of the condition after I got the vaccine, which was sleeping like up to 14 hours a day, um, just because of the, the, you know, the huge amount of fatigue um, and not really being able to do much at all. Um, yeah, just, <laughs> it's, it's just not really living, you know, so. Yeah, it's, um, it's 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 horrible as well that the um because I think the risk profile now for sort of young men your age is so clear 
um that this is this is becoming a pattern um yeah of young men getting heart issues compared to the absolute non-risk that appears to be covid for the same the same age bracket so um yeah yeah it just it just really shocks me um yeah how the medical profession can still be using terms like anti-vax around that when it's just a simple even for for traditional vaccines surely you'd have a risk benefit analysis based on the age and those relative factors yeah exactly you'd think there'd be like real science and it would be making it would be progressive right and it would be continuously updating like even if there were mistakes you know fine let's um let's change things you know let's let's make it clear that the let's let's tell the public that the science has changed but but no it seems very much uh even like the doctors themselves it seems very much um politicized i'd say so it's all politically motivated now that's that's just what i think and that's kind of what i can see because you know they're not talking about it are they so um the studies are coming out um there's probably still a lot of censorship coming from the studies as well but some are coming through and some are showing some things uh but it's not it's not being talked about the guidance is not being changed so well, I think that the the censorship and the silence is so extreme that it it kind of makes Pete it makes people like me want to look into it further because I know I'm not being told the truth. I also know I'm yeah. not the only one. There's there's an army of people that are trying to find out what's going on here. Um and the fact is we have made some progress. We've got one MP that's or a few MPs now actually that have stood up and talked about what we're talking about, which means the door has actually been broken down. The genie is out of the bottle. And I think they're, yeah. they're in such danger the, the more they continue pretending that none of this is happening. I would definitely agree with that, yeah. it's uh, The problem in the first place was portrayed, at least, as a lack of trust in the government, which, you know, it's not surprising at all, is it? But um, the fact is obviously clear that the longer they do this and the longer censorship continues and denial and things like this, um, the the lower the trust will get, you know, and uh, the population will probably continue to become increasingly polarised into, you know, an anti-vax camp and a, and a vax camp. And, uh, yeah, well, I think that's... There's just a significant problem with this because every, pretty much everybody that I'm talking to throughout January is a vaxxed anti-vaxxer, which is a complete yeah. prediction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the term anti-vax, um, I don't know what it, what it was before, but I can see for, for this whole pandemic that it was just used for, you know, another way to divide people. And uh, on this topic specifically... If you if you you know you discourage someone from not getting the vaccine by calling them an anti-vaxxer, that's basically the the you know simplified psychology of it. So um, if you can do that, then they're gonna evidently that's that's their their tactics. So yeah, I mean personally, I think there was a lot of groundwork that went into that because when this whole thing kicked off, I I had these flashbacks to friends of mine mocking anti-vaxxers and i think it's just because they 
it was just a a topic that was seen as like you know really ridiculous um who would ever believe that the people who were really really into the science had this little camp of people as a sort of you know they could they could eat them with a stick and have a laugh yeah yeah and 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 what's so horrible about that is i've learned that generally these people that were called anti-vaxxers 10 years ago by and large they were mothers whose children died or got injured and then they got gaslit by the system it's not generally people that you know went and did their research into this and sort of wacky scientists that came to their own conclusions it's all it's all mothers with injured children yeah yeah it's um yeah it's clearly just been a term to to divide people you know Hmm. Well, you see, has this made your skepticism go through the roof? Because I'm interested in what your focus is on your on your channel as well. You know, since all this rolled around, I have no trust in the establishment, which means the medical establishment, um, which means we've got to go in search of our own answers. Um, and the rest of your channel seems pointed towards this. Um, I feel like the word holistic gets a bit overused, but you know, like more natural remedies i mean you've you've based your whole life on this right now by just going right i feel better in a hotter climate so let's let's do that um yeah is this just sort of the path that you're firmly headed down now it, it seems really interesting yeah i i think if anything it is um it's just uh you know solidified um my determination to you know stick to these to like certain principles you know when it comes to my health um and obviously i've i've been doing a lot of kind of um work in myself um and so there's a book i really like it's called the six pillars of self-esteem i've talked about it in one of my videos a little bit but um yeah i i want to talk about it more properly but the the idea is there's these six different like kind of overall principles that uh, if you follow, you will have, you know, increasing self levels of self-esteem. Um, and one of them principles is integrity. Um, and so I obviously lacked integrity because I, I knew, you know, I had my own ideas and uh, they were backed up by a lot of past experiences, you know, with my health, a lot of things that had gone wrong in the past which then led me towards, you know, researching about functional medicine and uh, anthropology and, and things like this. Um, so I had a lot of reason to not, you know, just uh, like it, it wasn't congruent to get the vaccine, you know, but, but ultimately I broke, I broke um, my integrity and uh, I got the vaccine because, because of social pressure, basically um and uh yeah social pressure and you know manipulation persuasion from uh, society and i think there was so much like such a high level of um of you know mistruth and like uh societal like manipulation that everyone was like preaching the same things like over and over they're like all trying to like bash it into your head that, like you're you're wrong if you don't think in this one exact way which you know is is really a shame because it contradicts 
you know, a lot of the way that society has been moving forward anyway, like in terms of people, you know, we, we try, like people try to talk more and more about open-mindedness, but then this one particular thing contradicts all of that. Um, and the same people who, you know, push for like rights for like certain groups or, or things like this, you know, um, or like personal freedoms or whatever, they, they then say you must get vaccinated and it, it just doesn't align with, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's very hypocritical and uh, it's, it's a big shame. I think it's revealed a lot about human psychology. I think you, you're immensely brave, first of all, for talking about it this forthrightly, but also to be able to, uh, to say that it was peer pressure. I mean, I don't judge anyone for whatever reason they took it even even people that did, took it to essentially a reward you know to go on holiday or whatever um like no because because the level of brainwashing coercion fear uh, is unlike anything any of us have ever seen um so no one has to justify themselves you were you were told categorically from all directions you're a bad person if you don't do this Pretty much, yeah. That's even my friends, as you said, my friends were all saying the same things. Not not just making it wasn't just a joke. It was like, you know, that they would start to find out, you know, that I'm not, I don't intend on getting the vaccine. And they'd ask, why are you are you an anti-vaxxer? You know, and it's just there's no room for personal thinking, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's really a shame. But 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 really, it comes down to a big lesson, which is that. You know, there's a reason that integrity is one of the six pillars of self-esteem. Like the guy who wrote this book uh, is called Nathaniel Brandon. And I think it's probably the best like material about self-esteem. And it's uh, something that everyone should read because everyone has low levels of self-esteem, obviously. Um, and this, this really is just a big lesson that integrity um, is essential for, you, for high self-esteem because you have to be able to, in the face of everyone disagreeing with you, everyone, you know, choosing to judge you um, and, you know, possibly disliking you, in the face of that, you have to take the, you know, the difficult route, um, which is to stick to your principles, you know. Um, and that obviously doesn't mean that you're not open-minded to new things, but it means that if you have something you believe in, you don't just change it due to other people's perceptions of you, basically. Hmm. Um, which, you know, everyone talks about anyway, right? Um, you know, don't, don't think about, don't care about what other people think of you, you know, don't let other people's opinions of you determine your behavior, you know? Um, and that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's just a very, very extreme version of that, you know? Yeah, well, it was, it's it's now walk the walk time. You can take all these platitudes, um, and everyone can talk the talk. But now, now it's time to walk the walk because we need people to stand up and and tell the truth, no matter what side they were on or what or, or where they're at now. Like we're yeah. all, we're all yeah. in a situation where a lot of people have been injured, um, and yeah. I don't, I don't see how it can remain a team fight at this point where it's one side versus the other. It's, it's ridiculous to keep going with that. It is. Yeah. It's um, the, the people who would continue to push it are of course, you know, governments and big pharma, right. 
Um, but I don't really know what is going to happen. I don't know if they're going to be held accountable at all, or, or at the very least, if uh, you know the regulations are going to change drastically. Um, but I mean, if not, then we're really <laughs> we're all on on our own, you know. Um, and I'm not trying to paint like a, a bleak picture. I just think, um, yeah, I've just realised that that you know you can't just trust people and you can't you can't just trust people as a given and you know assume things are true just because everyone says to them you know which which is really a hard uh, reality to take in because you know anthropologically we are designed to if everyone says one thing we're designed to to follow that right mm -hmm. otherwise we risk being excluded from the tribe um and then dying <laughs> but uh yeah, thankfully, that's not a thing anymore. And if it was still a thing, we wouldn't have, you know, crazy chemicals made such as, uh, you know, vaccines anyway. So, um, but but I really hope we can get something out of this, that, um, that the regulations can change it, that people can stop getting vaccinated because it's, it's obviously just going to continue to cause immense long-term harm for so many people.